1: The Cyclone
0: Fanatic podcast is fueled by
1: Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Reaction Time, courtesy of our friends at Fairway. It is officially March, and it is officially Big Twelve Championship Week. So it's as Willie Mickles used to say, "It's Christmas. It's Christmas for <laughs> for the wrestling community." So, yeah, Ben, it is what's today? It's Thursday afternoon. So, for reference, for those of you, once you start tuning in, um, I'm pretty pumped.
0: Are you? It's going to be you? really exciting. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Willie Mickles. What a guy! Uh, he was so much fun to have on the team and to cover him, but yeah, it's going to be, this is March. This is when wrestling season reaches its pinnacle and it is so, so much fun to watch because you see guys generally at their best and there's a lot of emotion that goes into it and you can see it on the mat a lot of times right after matches and it it's a lot of fun to watch.
1: It's uh it makes me think of Sorachi's uh comment on Iowa State. What was it? <laughs> Iowa State peaks in December, Penn Penn State peaks in March.
0: That's right. <laughs> Good old Carter Soraci.
1: I don't know. I you know, the vibe I got is that Iowa State's about to peak in March. Like the comments that car was making and coach was making. I think I would it's feeling good. I feel like maybe this is a stretch. I feel like this is the most relaxed availability we've had before championships.
0: <laughs> That's not a stretch at all. I exact same vibe. They were very relaxed. They were very focused. I'm not trying to say they weren't focused. They definitely were, but they knew that they were ready. Like you could get that vibe. They knew what they're getting themselves into. Uh, coach was relaxed. David Carr, very relaxed. Marcus Coleman is the epitome of no emotion during availabilities. And that's exactly what he was. <laughs> so yeah, the team is from the vibe that we got, the team was definitely feeling good about themselves.
1: Yeah. I think it all goes back to their confidence. I don't know what they're drinking. I don't know what's in, in the water, but yeah, they've just been so much more, confident in their own confidence. Like you can just see it. And I know Coleman is a man, of few words, but tried to get him to talk on being, you know, it's his final year and nope, no river emotions right now. <laughs> busy focus on the competition, which is good it's it's exciting. I'm I think I feel more positive today after studying the brackets than I did when we sat down to record with Cody last night. um Ben and I sat down with Cody from the register um to be guests on his podcast, and I felt more pessimistic then than I do right now after staring at the brackets for the last like three hours. <laughs>
0: Well, that might be March Madness getting at you because when I sit and look at a basketball bracket, when I'm filling it out, I, for when I first get done filling, I am like, God, this is, I don't know if I'm going to get a single pick, right? But then by day two or three, I I'm like, Oh my gosh, I might get the first person, the first perfect bracket ever. So, um, no, I do agree with you though. I think Iowa state got some good draws and we'll get into that, uh, later in the podcast, but generally speaking, I do think Iowa state has a relatively favorable bracket in terms of guys getting to the semifinals and finals. They don't have a favorable bracket in terms of first round matches,
1: <laughs> which I mean, it's a hot topic, right? Which is funny because it's, it's more of a topic this season than it was last season. And it was, it was the same situation. Iowa state got like set, maybe even more. I, I don't have to look. I have it. I have a note like st- seven buys I feel like eight buys last year this year they have six which is not great and I know that you know when you look at other sports you're like a buy that's great they get downtime they don't have to get right into it but in wrestling it's a little different unfortunately the first round buys really impact the team race um that's where the fun comes in right especially when you're a casual fan. Now you have to not only keep track of individual guys. Now we got to pay attention at that team race all at the same time. And it's honestly, sometimes I get confused, Ben, you're better at that keeping track of those team points than I am. But essentially, you know, when someone like Ben and I sit down and look at this and especially coach, coach was funny yesterday. When you look at having six buys and then you look at your biggest competition, which in Iowa state's case, it's Missouri, Missouri has, Eight first round matches, correct? I got that.
0: Correct. Yep. They have eight first round matches.
1: So when you look at that, essentially what it means is Missouri will have eight chances to earn points. And in that first round, that's really where you're going to see those bonus points. Unfortunately, you know, for those guys that are kind of lower seeds or unseeded who maybe aren't as good, you know, as those. Top three seeds. This is where they get to bonus. This is where they get to put on a quick show, get the quick pins, and they earn an extra two to three, I think it is, two to three points um, each bonus point. So essentially, what that means is Missouri's going to have racked up a ton of team points before Iowa State even sees their first win of the day. Yeah. Um, so, so, Ben, you're definitely better at it. So go ahead and tackle that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Missouri is favored in seven of their eight first round matches. Um, in matches they don't have buys in. So those seven guys, Missouri's a team that's known for their pins and getting back points. So a lot of those guys, let's say seven of them win, seven of the eight in the first round win. A lot of those guys are going to get major decisions, tech falls and falls. Let's say just for numbers that they end up with 15 team points. So you get a point for winning. And then like Jackie said, you get a extra point for major decision, two points for a pin, things like that. So let's say they get 15 team points, which honestly might be a little bit conservative in the first round. Iowa State, like Jackie said, has four first round matches, but only one of them is favored, and that's younger Bastida at 197. So David Carr didn't get a first round match. Um Zach Redding didn't get a first round match. Marcus Coleman, no first round match. Sam Skyler, no first round match, right? So these guys didn't get first round matches. Guys who you'd expect to win and potentially get bonus points. So the only guy is younger Bastida who can get bonus points. We've seen him get takedowns and a lot of them, and I would expect him to get bonus points, but Missouri's going to have 10 team points by the, time, by the time younger Bastida steps on the mat. So let's say he gets a tech fall. Great. He got two team points for Iowa state and then Missouri has 15. Well, by the time you get to the, um, the next round, you're already behind Missouri, um, 15 to two or whatever number that is. So that's just, that sets up a really difficult path for Iowa state to win a team championship. And it's unfortunate that it's the way it works in a sport like wrestling. I, I've thought a lot about how the sport could change it. And I'm not sure there's a fantastic way to do it. Besides the fact that maybe you try to get everyone an even number of first round matches, but that's going to screw up brackets in a whole different way. So yeah, it's, they've kind of backed themselves into a corner. So if you're a fan, especially a more casual fan, and you're looking at the team race, let's say at the end of session two on day one, and you see Iowa State's behind Missouri by 15 or 20 points, or whatever, like what, what happened? I thought Iowa State should be a top or top two team or whatever. They probably are. But unfortunately, the way the brackets were set up this year, Iowa State's just way behind their eight ball.
1: Well, and I know a lot of diehard wrestling fans, you know, every year like, why, who let Missouri back in? <laughs> um, I, yeah. the other team that you'll see, you know, in contention for it, maybe not quite as dominant as, you know, the difference between Iowa state or the competition between Iowa state and Missouri, Oklahoma state will be up in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They might not have had necessarily the most dominant season. Like you expect every season, but you know, in the tournament, they show up and this is where, you know, they're, you're going to see that they're going to be going back and forth probably with Iowa state. I'm sure you might see them swap second and third throughout the weekend, but OSU has five buys. Mm. So
0: it's,
1: it's the Missouri show, I guess. It's not the Missouri to, show this year. Not to throw field of the fire about how much everyone hates Missouri. <laughs> so it's a it's an annoying and aggravating thing, and it's confusing to everyone. And Jesser had my favorite soundbite of the week when he said, "The one thing we lead in the Big Twelve is in buys in the first round of the Big Twelve tournament. We're the gold medal champs every damn year." <laughs> <laughs> and he's not uh,
0: wrong and same thing happened no, last year
1: I'm going to look it up so that we can pin the number from last year but
0: yeah yeah no well, while, he... while you do that um I want to set what I how I'm going to be judging Iowa State as a team this year so Iowa State has a chance to win the team race but Missouri is going to have to screw a few things up like a few guys from Missouri are going to have to lose matches they should not lose And probably a few guys for Iowa State are going to have to win matches they shouldn't win. So the team race isn't necessarily out of the question, but Iowa State is behind the eight ball. So let's say everything goes sort of how we expect it. How I'm going to be judging Iowa State as a team against Missouri isn't necessarily the team race. I'll be looking at total number of Big 12 champions, total number of finalists, total number of third place guys. Because I think that's going to paint a much clearer picture of how the teams actually stack up against one another and maybe what to expect come March because Iowa state's um, train has gone a little bit off the rails in terms of, are they going to be a trophy team at the NCAA tournament? I still think there's a path for them to become a trophy team, but Missouri has now entered that conversation of being a trophy team. NC state is going to be in contention, Michigan, those types of Teams. So if Iowa State gets more champions or gets more finalists than Missouri, that's going to nudge them just ahead going into the N State tournament in terms of hey, who's going to be a trophy team outside of Iowa and Penn State who are going to be, you know, Penn State's going to be number one and Iowa's probably going to be number two. So who's going to get the third place team trophy and who's going to get the fourth place team trophy? So um I think if you're going to look at a team for team perspective, look at individual champs, individual finalists third place matches, because it's going to be really hard for our state to make up, let's say 15 points, um, after the first round.
1: In which maybe that's why I'm feeling more positive because I think after sitting and like you said, we'll definitely deep dive into the brackets. But I think the more I looked at each individual's pathway to getting into the, um, in the semifinals, I felt better about it. And I think it's just, yeah, like you said, it's just a matter of you almost got to step back and tell yourself, don't stare at the team scoring every single second. Cause then you might get pretty defeated when you see Missouri leading by like 20. Yeah. <laughs> so, but again, to once again, laugh at Iowa state in their first round buys last season, they had um, seven. <laughs> so and, even more. Uh, and again, the seven of those seven one of them a few that stand out is jared dagan younger bristita marcus coleman and kyson tarakina so four very key guys who can score and probably did have i can't remember i'm not even gonna try we're not but they're guys who did over the season score bonus points yeah so well, maybe next year, maybe, maybe next year, Josh, won't have his <laughs> money. but he, uh, if you go back and I tweeted the clip, he made a joke about he would, he, you know what he behaved. He said, I'll kick that person's butt uh, for whoever he had, think,
0: he had to think about, but he had to think about the word, "butt," though he almost had something else.
1: Well, I think it's because he got in trouble the last time he said something else. And I think it's because I posted the video. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jack, but, you're getting coach in trouble.
1: It was one time. And I think Brad, Brad Dupre was a SID. And I think it was Brad that was probably like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's funny. You know, I coach is funny. I don't know. Obviously it's not someone diabolically sitting about to hit the giant red button, but it's just funny. Cause that's the way coach made it sound when he said, whoever hit the button, I'm going to kick their butt when I get down there. <laughs> so, uh. but no, like I said, there, I feel good when I look at these brackets. So are you ready to dive into that? Do we have any? Let's jump time?
0: into it. <laughs> Let's jump into it.
1: So, you know, if we go top to bottom one twenty-five. that alone is a story. Corey Kavon is back. He is, you know, coach is saying he's healthy. He's the guy which he, you know, he showed a lot of potential and he did well when he was able to compete um, he got injured in the Penn State match.
0: The Penn State before the Penn State match, he while they were warming up, uh, he stepped on someone's foot and rolled his ankle as they're warming up. So he was actually injured that match and he won, he beat the Penn State kid. So <laughs> that goes to show the level that Corey Band <laughs> can wrestle at. He is, I think, Cody when we were podcasting yesterday before we started. Um, I mentioned that Corey was one of the guys who took down Spencer Lee this year and Corey said, yeah, he's one of 15 ever to do it. So Corey Kabamban took down Spencer Lee. He has ability. He is a very good wrestler. So just because we haven't seen him a ton doesn't mean that he can't do some damage in this bracket.
1: Yeah. I think my only hesitation is just him. His return to the mat is this. This is, yeah. you know, you're, you're diving head first into the deep end and it's like below freezing water. <laughs> like <laughs> you're going from, you know, weigh-ins and you're going straight into this action and it's like back to back to back. And, um, and he's one of the few that has a first round match. Yep. And so maybe that can be a good thing. That's something I made a a point to bring up in my five thoughts that I wrote for Cyclone fanatic was at the end of the day i might have hesitations but at the same time he's built for this right at the end of the day he's a d1 athlete and he should be able to this is what he's built for is to be in competition and so i'm just a little nervous because the only competition he's had since getting injured from what we've been told is the wrestle off he had with i assume caleb feasley yep so I'm just a little nervous, but again, when you sit and look at his bracket, his first match is against Steve. Gosh, how do you pronounce his name? Pol- Pol-
0: Steve O. Steve O is his name. Okay. Um, Steve O, and I'm going to say Paulin, Poland. Yes. Like that.
1: um from Northern Colorado. I think if Corey can beat him, he's going to be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, I don't hate the matchup right? They, I don't think they've wrestled ever. We didn't, Iowa State didn't wrestle Northern Colorado this year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know a ton about steve but great name. It's an awesome name. First of all, <laughs> Shout out to Steve-O Klotz on and Iowa State football team, but, uh, and obviously Steve-O from, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name, but Jackass. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the matchup for Corey. I don't know much about Steve-O and I think that's going to be Good for Corey. Just go in there, wrestle a guy from Northern Colorado, see what you can do against him. He's not favored, but like we said earlier, Corey's beat the Penn State kid. He's done well in the other matches he's wrestled. And if he beats uh, Steve-O, he's going to get Case, oh boy, another rough last name, Mauger, Mauger, something like that, um, from Utah Valley. And that's another one. I like Corey in that matchup. That was a match earlier this year with Caleb Feasley. Caleb Feasley took him to the brink. And Corey's better than him. So if he if Corey's able to win that first round matchup, I think he's in the quarterfinals. Um no, semifinals. Semi-finals he's in the semifinals against Killian Cardinale from West Virginia, assuming Killian makes it to semifinals as well. And that's one that you'd probably expect Corey to lose. But man, Corey doesn't have a bad draw. And this is one of those situations where it is a first-round matchup. If Iowa State can get a team point here it makes that team race a little bit closer one point closer so um we'll see what cory can do the big 12 got six allocations at 125 so cory has to finish in the top six to qualify for the ncaa tournament or ncaa championships and i think that's well within range even let's say something bad happens and cory loses that first match he's still going to be able to wrestle back on the back side of the tournament and potentially get a bid a bid for Iowa State, because the Big 12 is not fantastic at 125. And really, across the country, besides Spencer Lee, no one's great at 125. So um, this is a way where Corey Cabanban can finish the top six. I don't think it's going to take a miracle either. I could see that happening.
1: No. And that's what I'm saying is it literally, it's not going to take a miracle. It just, it's a matter of Corey showing up and being hundred percent, like we're being told he is. So if he is, then I'm not worried about him. And maybe that's too optimistic, but again, not a bad draw for him, um, which again, not a bad draw. 133 Zach Redding's the guy. Zach has a first round bye, as we said, but he's on the opposite side of the bracket from Dayton fix from Oklahoma state, who I'm going to guess is going to win this weight.
0: Yeah, Um, he will, (laughs) unless he gets hurt, but he's one of those guys. You can just kind of pencil in and be like, yep, fix, 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 fix. All right. Fix one. Great. So yeah, unless injury, he's going to win.
1: But if Zach just, you know, takes care of business, which he has also shown positives throughout the season, you know, I think when it came down to it, when coach had him and Ramazan facing off one uh, head to head before Ramazan got dinged up or injured, um, that kind of pulled him away. I think Redding was still coming out just slightly better. And I mean, between the Utah Valley and the Cal Baptist guy, not really concerned with Redding's chances there. And no, not at all. I mean, <laughs> I know. And then from there, he's going into the semifinals against um, Kyle Biscaglia from Northern Iowa, who he already beat. Yep. And I he's mean, never I, lost
0: to, even in prior years, um, Zach Redding is undefeated against <laughs> Kyle Biscoglio.
1: Right. Like, you're looking at Zach Redding who is probably on no one's radar could just find himself in the championship match.
0: How crazy is that? Like Zach Redding has been a fine wrestler at Iowa state. He had a, a very good true freshman year during that COVID year, mm-hmm. uh, second year redshirted, And then this year comes out. He, was expected to be at 141. Casey Svodersky, freshman Phenom, takes that spot. So Zach Redding starts sucking down weight. And beginning of the year, you could tell it was a really tough weight cut for him. Toward the end of the year, though, against a guy like Kyle Biscoglia, who's actually the number two seed in this bracket, even though Zach Redding beat him, um, he beats Biscoglia. He beats some other good top ranked guys. So Zach Redding is one of those guys where when he's on his A game, His A game is very, very good. So it is not out of the question at all for him to be uh, in the Big 12 finals and wrestle Dayton Fix, who, if we're being honest, is going to beat him relatively handily. But, hey, that's a lot of team points. And I was going to say, that's
1: a second-place finish.
0: That's a second-place finish, and Missouri is on the same side of the bracket as Dayton Fix. Connor Brown from Missouri would wrestle Dayton Fix in the semifinals if those two met. And that's one where you D- date and a very heavy favorite in that match. So that's one, this is a match. This is a bracket where Iowa state can make up some team points. If we're going to look at the team race closely.
1: Yeah, no, again, I hate when I feel myself feeling really positive because then I just like <laughs> set myself up for failure, you know, but like, yeah. I feel good about Zach Redding. <laughs> like this is a good draw for him. I like him as a, what is he? Number three seed. <laughs>
0: number three seed yep
1: i think it's good and i know you if we go to 141 you were saying you feel good about casey swiderski's draw as well
0: yeah he's he's the next one that has a first round matchup um he gets clay carlson from south dakota state who is a very good wrestler but he's the five seed he's had an up and down year this year kind of similar to zach redding a little bit um but this is one that casey swiderski can win this is a winnable match. They've never wrestled because Swiderski is a true freshman and they didn't wrestle South Dakota State this year. But this is a winnable match for Swiderski. If we see the Casey Swiderski that wrestled against UNI, Illinois, Missouri, this is one where I think he can win. If he wrestles with pace and his motor and intensity is high, he's going to wrestle really well this tournament. With Swiderski and both Metcalf and Dresser have said this, it's all about right now for swersky his mental game if he is mentally feeling right and feeling good he's going to do special things if he for some reason is starting to doubt himself like if he doesn't quite get a couple if he gets in on a leg but doesn't quite finish a takedown he can sometimes start to doubt himself so if he's able to finish early takedowns i think we're going to see a really special casey swersky he to me is a very big wild card in this whole, not only for Iowa State as a team, but in this whole tournament and bracket, because he's an unseeded guy, right? He does not have a seed. He didn't earn a seed. But there's no reason that he's not wrestling Andrew Arias from Northern Colorado in the semifinals of this thing. Like he can beat Clay Carlson. He can beat Carter Young from Oklahoma State. And that right there gets uh, Iowa State a bunch of team points. If he gets the semifinals, loses to Andrew, goes to the backside, wrestles back, finishes fourth Fifth, third, whatever. Pick a number. That's huge for the team race. From for getting an unseated guy getting that many team points, that would be massive. And at one forty-one, there are seven automatic qualifiers that earned allocations. So technically, if let's say Casey has a bad tournament, he needs he needs to finish seventh for him to earn an NCA qualifying bid and make his, make a trip to, um, t- back to Tulsa for the NCAA championships. So at minimum, we want to see Casey Ferdersky finish seventh, but I don't really see a reason that he can't finish fifth or third. Even I don't think he beats Andrew Arias, but outside of that, there's not a, there's not an unbeatable guy for Swarovski on this list or in this bracket.
1: Well, and I think what makes Casey so fun too, is that I mean, he's a scrappy dude. Coach calls him a savage. We've seen him, you know, Casey just finds ways. (laughs) I don't know that it's entirely him, but his matches always bring us the drama, right? Go back to the Iowa where they were in each other's faces for a hot second. Go to that Wisconsin match where I can't remember his opponent's name. Joe Zargo. Yes. You know, he's bleeding out. His freaking face is just completely wrapped up. You know, like, I, Andrew, obviously, I mean, 20 and 0 this season, that's a hard matchup. But like, Casey is just someone that I would, if I had to pick someone in the Iowa State lineup that I think is just going to kind of blow things out of the water and could really make things interesting, I would, my money would be on Casey. Like I feel like I he's agree. scrappy enough, and if if he's really channeled what Metcalf has been preaching about, how it's a matter of just believing in himself and really honing in his mental toughness, he can do anything. I think this is where this is where you should do it. And I have the same stance on Panero. Obviously, their their growing pains are just slightly different from each other. I know we lumped them together since they're the freshmen on the team, but I think. Casey and Panero are going to be very important. Like I said yesterday, I think there's an extra layer to them of pressure on how they perform and how that directly impacts Iowa State's uh, standing in the team race.
0: Yeah, so. yep. And Panero is another one that got, I think a really mm-hmm. good draw. Like he's got, he has a first round by, unfortunately. But his second round matchup would likely be against Mitch Moore from Oklahoma. I like Panero on that one, and then he'd likely have Colin Rubuto from Northern Iowa in the semifinals. Um, I don't remember what happened in that match. I think Panero won, didn't he, or didn't he against you and I?
1: You know, now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I feel like he lost, but I don't want to assume that.
0: Um, I'm looking it up right now. What do we got? 149. Panero, oh, they wrestled Andrew Allard or Adam Allard, so he, oh. they didn't wrestle this year. So Panero beat Adam Allard, but um, he didn't wrestle Rebuto, uh in the dual meet. So we haven't seen that match. That's one that we haven't seen. But uh, Ributo's—he's very good wrestler. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but he's not someone Panero can't beat, right? We've seen Panero right. beat Austin Gomez. We see him go to sudden victory against Yanni Yakimahalis. Panero's right up there with the best. So that's a match I think he could win. And what's really interesting is Brock Mahler from Missouri is the number one seed. And I know this is a little bit of a contentious topic, especially with uh, <laughs> folks on the Iowa state wrestling team. Brock Mahler didn't do a whole lot on that in the match against Panero Johnson. Panero took every shot and he was close to a number of takedowns and sudden victory and even on the last one, he got whipped over and pinned, unfortunately. And that's how Brock Mahler won. He won by, I don't want to say doing nothing, but kind of. So I would like to see that matchup again, because I think Pinero would probably come out on the winning side of that, especially if the ref uh, would call more than one stall call when a guy takes a six um, shots against zero. So, <laughs> That's one where I'd like to see Panero against Brock Mahler in the finals and just see what happens. But if I'm being completely honest, Brock Mahler is not untouchable, right? He's one of those guys who's not going to take a ton of shots. He's going to wrestle close matches. And if you wrestle close matches in March, you can sometimes find your way on the uh, wrong end of those. So we'll see what happens, but I do like Panero's draw quite a bit outside of the fact that he's a first round bye.
1: <laughs> See, and I'm telling you, you're going through these and you're feeling good about every single one for Iowa State. And then you know, then we're there and then things get crazy, but I think Panero, you know what makes me feel good about Panero's mental like preparation for this? at availability this week, David Carr was um, one of the guys we spoke to. And he specifically referenced conversations he's had with Paniro about why wouldn't Panero go out there and compete to be a big 12 champion and how there's not many of them. There's only five. And David's the fifth one. And I feel like when, you know, Paniro started losing, when Casey started losing, the conversations were never about their necessarily about their physical ability to show up in matches. It was never necessarily about how they weren't competing to the same physical standard as their opponents. It was more so about, was it their confidence? Was it overthinking? Was it them getting in their own way? I mean, paneer has gone into so many matches into sudden victory, which is just so frustrating for me. <laughs> I hate watching it. Um, which is why I think I was harder, on that Missouri match and him going into, you know, sudden victory and getting pinned because it was like, sure. He, you know, he got caught that happens. Even the best of guys sometimes end up on their back and get stunned by, um, you know, opponents they should have beat, but like you need to secure your matches. And I feel like, if the biggest thing that you need to hurdle is your mental preparation for this and you're Panero Johnson and you're having these conversations with David and David being who David is, you know, very philosophical, very big picture. I mean, I think his confidence and his, I don't know what the word would be like the way he finds ways to find comfort in the chaos of competition. I just feel like Panero has to be coming into this feeling good. And if he is again, we've already seen it and coach makes strokes about how your thinks He's the best in the country. And now he has to go, <laughs> you know, go and actually do the work. But I mean, if you just kind of align those thoughts right there, I mean, again, why would he not be in the championship match when we've seen him beat? If we look strictly at his opponents on his side of the bracket, he has beat people who are better than these guys. He has, as potential opponents.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's beaten no. the best in the country. I mean, or second best in the country, whatever you want to call Austin <laughs> Gomez. But yeah, the fact that Panero Johnson be- could become the sixth ever freshman Big Twelve champion is wild. To put himself in the same conversation as a David Carr would be very, very impressive for him to do. Especially as a, I know he gray shirted, but a true freshman that would be, that'd be quite the story.
1: Well, and I think with Casey and Pinheiro, that's the, uh, that's the gamble is they very much can do what we're saying, but they very much could also get themselves stuck and end up in the back and have to wrestle their way back, which is a very real possibility. Um, because I, it's, I think that's just the name of the game, right? You're young. Sometimes you get in your own way. It's the growing pains as coach says. So those are the two where I like feel really good that they could seriously do real damage and do well for Iowa state. But then at the same time, I, I believe they could also end up getting in their own way. Cause I've seen them do it in the regular season. So I'm excited for those two. For
0: sure. And 149 is another weight where the big 12 got seven allocations. So let's say things go really bad for Pinero. He has to finish seventh at bare minimum to get, um, uh, an NCAA championship, uh, qualifier but even if he doesn't let like let's say he gets hurt or something catastrophic happens where he just loses every, both two matches and is done he's okay. one of those guys that will probably get an at large bid regardless so we're going to see Panero Johnson back in Tulsa in a couple weeks um no matter what unless he does get hurt then maybe not but knock on wood there he's one of those guys that even if he has a bad tournament will make the NSA championships but it's one where team points and just for his own personal accomplishments, he could win this bracket.
1: Which is again, it's wild. It is wild. But we'll see. We'll see. I think we gotta see how they do them those in those first two in their first match.
0: Yeah. And that'll see tell really, a lot, I think.
1: Yeah. I think we'll be able to see, you know, how they're feeling, you know, is there swagger to them? What what's the vibe? <laughs> um 157, Jason Kreiser. You know, that ball of energy. He really is a ball of energy <laughs> because even the few times we've interviewed him um, in availability, just full of energy. And he's just always smiling. I don't know if you've ever heard the term golden retriever energy. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> I have. Jason Kreiser is golden retriever energy.
0: In the best I way. couldn't agree more. <laughs> he, he is, he, he acts like a golden retriever. Everything's great. He's always got a smile. Everything he does is wonderful. And it's a different. Everything is kind of wonderful than Panero. Panero thinks he's great, and he he's the bee's knees in his own mind. Jason Kreiser's just like, yeah, I have a lot of fun out there, and I enjoy <laughs> it, and I think I'm good at it. And you're right; his energy is very golden retriever heavy.
1: It's his first postseason with Iowa State. Yeah. So first time for him in Tulsa as a Cyclone. Um, you know he. His side of the bracket, he has a first-round bye. It's going to get repetitive at this point. He's either going to go against Utah Valley, uh, Tyson Humphreys, who is unseeded, or most likely Oklahoma State's Caden Jafeller, who's the number two seed. I made this point to Ben. The thing with Jason Kreiser, Cardiac Kreiser, (laughs) is he's probably not going to beat Caden Jafeller. But I think... Kreiser is his, you know, his his scrambling, his wild, just crazy style that he has where he's just doing all these flips and stuff on the mat, I feel like that would be a positive for him in the back of the bracket. I'm not wishing for him to lose. Obviously, I'm all for Iowa State always beating Oklahoma State, but I think for someone like Kreiser, where once you start getting into those, you know, the closer you get to the championship match, you gotta be a little more Got to keep things a little tighter.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little more technically savvy, and Jason <laughs> is one of those guys who doesn't mind getting guys out of their technique. And it's like Jackie said, it's hard to get good guys out of their position and their technique. It's a little bit easier when you start rolling around with guys who aren't, you know, at the level of Caden Jafeller or a Jared Franick from North Dakota State or a Jared JQs from Missouri. Those guys, they are not going to let you roll around as much. But you know if he, if he loses his first match, um, he will likely wrestle, um, you know, Vinny Zerbin from Northern Colorado, who is unseated. And that's one where, you know, Vinny's probably not ready to wrestle and roll around on the mat with Jason Chrysler whole bunch. (laughs) So, um, the big 12 actually got seven automatic qualifiers or allocations. Um, unfortunately, West Virginia has decided to wrestle Alex Hornfeck instead of the guy who did earn an allocation. So that number got dropped to six. So Kreiser has to finish in the top six to um, earn an NCAA qualifying bid. And he is the seventh seed. So he's going to have to beat someone he's technically not supposed to to um, earn an automatic qualifying spot, which is honestly pretty annoying. Uh, because if West Virginia had just kept the guy they wrestled all year, then. You know, he could wrestle, let's say finish seventh and he did a qualifying spot. Now he won't be able to, so he's gonna have to out wrestle his seat a little bit. But I'd also like Kaden Gefeller, Kreiser this year lost to him three to one. That's not an unwinnable match for him. I'm not saying he's gonna win it, but if he does win it, I'm not gonna be shocked because Kreiser's shown the ability to, especially on top. He's, he's able to ride guys. He puts on a really tough ride and that can cause some frustration for guys. So I don't let's, I'm going to go through a little scenario here. Let's say it's zero, zero after the first period and Jafeller chooses bottom during the regular season match. Kreiser wrote him out the period that he was uh, on top. And that was the third period, I believe. So if he rides him out in the second period, it's still zero, zero Kreiser has two minutes of riding time. What happens in that third period? If Kreiser gets out, it's one to zero, essentially two to zero with riding time. Then Jafeller has to go and get a takedown to tie it up. So, um, this is a match where there is a path to victory for Kreiser. It's just going to take him. It's going to take a monument, not a monumental effort. It's going to take a big okay. effort for him to, um, be on the front side of this bracket after the first match. But even like, like Jackie said, if he goes to the back side of the bracket, I think he could have some fun.
1: Right. Which. Yeah, I think my money's on him wrestling in the back of the bracket. And that's not a bad thing. Like I said, I really don't think it is, especially when you just got to make sure to get in that into that top six, which I think he can do it. He just needs to clean it up a little, which <laughs> was crazy. Or dirty it number. up
0: even more, one of the two.
1: Right, but like in a good way. <laughs> yes, in a good way, exactly. Don't I'm not your... saying
0: don't, ru- don't wrestle dirty. I'm saying make it a weird match.
1: Don't get yourself pinned.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't do that for sure.
1: Um, of course, 165, David Carr. I hate speaking in like, oh, yeah, screw the rest, like every, all the competition, we're looking at Keegan O'Toole, David Carr in the championship match. That's but most likely that's what's what going to happen. That's most likely what's happening here. But I just remember last year, you know, I... yeah. Uh, I look back to them, dollars and I was like, no, he's not going to lose. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? But we're not going to talk about that because this big 12, again, this is where I bring up my, we have not talked about David Carr enough. The Keegan O'Toole rematch. That is an exciting thing to look forward to. If both David and Keegan, of course, take care of business, wrestle their way through that bracket exactly as we expect them to do. David has a first round by Keegan O'Toole does not, of huh. course. Interesting. Um, but David is entering Tulsa wrestling for a fourth title. So he's essentially, you know, trying to make, you know, I would say history here. He's trying to be the second big 12, second four time big 12 champion in the record book behind Kale Sanderson. Not to ruffle feathers there.
0: Well, but, anytime you're in a conversation with Kelsey Anderson, you're doing something right.
1: <laughs> right. So this is big. This is huge. Even though we asked David about it and you know, he obviously did not have much to say. He just, he said, it's cool. He said he's <laughs> looking forward to it because David doesn't like to talk about himself, but it's, it's always funny when he talks about his dad. Cause he, you know, he finally cracked a smile and he's like, my dad only has two, I think. So I'm always trying to, do better than he did. So this is, this is it. This is a really big deal to be able to, you know, not only get one over your dad, but I mean, being a four time champion is a, is a huge deal. And David has gotten here with just ease and he's just taken things to a whole different level this season, which again, it's just so crazy to me that we can even say, it. cause again, sometimes I'm like, how much better can he get? And he, can indeed. And I mean, he's been, a he's been the number one seed every season he's competed. And this year he's doing it at a new weight. He took that away from Keegan O'Toole, who was the number one seed at this weight. So, I mean, the talent is insane for David Carr and a big thing um, with the tournament, a uh, fun fact for you guys, um, shout out to Andy, but David Carr in good old Dayton and fix from Oklahoma state are the only two wrestlers in the tournament who are wrestling for big 12 for their fourth big 12 title. And they, um, that's a big deal. That's so, a huge deal. Again, yeah. David Carr, big deal.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he, he has a very good path to becoming a four time big 12 champion. Uh, likely Austin Yant after he gets done with his buy, um, he beat Austin Yant, by major decision. I think he was one point away from a tech fall after that, he'd likely have Peyton hall from West Virginia, who he'd eight to two, but I could easily see him expanding that to ten to get a major decision. Uh, David Carr. If this is going to be a to- close team race needs to get bonus points in every single match, he wrestles until he gets to Keegan O'Toole. And when he gets to Keegan, uh, what's really interesting, Jackie, and we talked with David, like he said on Tuesday or Wednesday, uh he he talked about how he wasn't satisfied with the match he had against Keegan O'Toole and he was going and working on a few things that he that he didn't quite like in that matchup. And we had talked about how much we loved what we saw from David Carr. Like he won seven to two, he roared him out the entire third period, he got three takedowns, he he did all these things, he finished every period on top, right? Keegan O'Toole never got an escape. So I'm wondering if it frustrated David so much that he gave up a takedown that he's just not satisfied with that result. And I, if that's the case, I love that attitude from him because he's a guy, David Carr has 72 takedowns this year and has given up three, one of them to Keegan O'Toole. So that's 24 takedowns. Every time you get up, give up one takedown, that's a pretty good ratio. And it just kind of goes to show David Carr's dominance, just in that respect that even though he beat Keegan O'Toole relatively handily he's still not satisfied with how he wrestled and that that's a, that's a special type of person.
1: Well, and I love that, you know, it's a, everything's a state secret. <laughs> Can't give us <laughs> yes. too much. Can't give us too much. He, you know, didn't want to tell us what kind of things he's been working on, which you know what? Just means we're going to see it. Just means we're going to see it here either in Tulsa or we're going to see it in uh I guess I shouldn't say Tulsa. See it at the Big 12 or NCW. Yeah, win. Tulsa and Tulsa. <laughs> God, leave it to you know, this is John Smith's fault.
0: This is John Smith's fault. This is I
1: agree. 100% John Smith's fault that he's making us go to Tulsa twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I lost my train of thought thinking about driving to Tulsa twice. <laughs> um, oh, oh, David shit. talking about training with younger. Yes. Which, that again, was a revelation. That's 165 and 197. And not even just talking weight the just younger is a beast in the best way like he is just you know phenomenal as a wrestler and in his training i mean ben durbin has said that younger's the strongest guy on the team so
0: yeah not even pound for pound it's not like pound for pound he's the strongest guy over sam skyler he's stronger than sam skyler and we saw it this year when younger bastida wrestled at heavyweight against cornell he beat the cornell heavyweight who's like a top 15 top 10 wrestler And he's given up, I don't know, 50, 60 pounds on the guy. So yeah, younger Bastida a different kind of, different kind of human. And David even said it when he wrestles younger, he's like, he doesn't feel human. Like this is a guy who just doesn't feel like a normal human being. And that's David Carr saying that, which we watch. (laughs) him. It's like, yeah, that's not a normal human. So that's a not normal human saying that about another person. So yeah. And I love, it was so interesting when David brought up that he wrestles younger. I asked him how often he said, no, I can't say that. That's a state secret. It's like, Oh, all right. What do you guys work on? He's like, Oh, the state secret. But one thing I've noticed when I wrestle younger is, and it was so interesting to hear David dive deep about wrestling and wrestling technique. When younger reattacks, he jumps the corner. And when David reattacks, he more runs the corner, and he fe- David said he feels that difference when younger jumps instead of runs the corner because it's just so explosive and he gets there so quick that it's hard to react. So that's going to be something. I'm that's one thing I am going to look for at the first tulsa does david on a reattack <laughs> jump the corner does he incorporate some of that younger bastida style and some of that explosiveness into his own wrestling because david's explosive right he's one of the best athletes in the country in wrestling so uh that's one thing i'm going to be really interested to see on a re-attack does david jump the corner instead of run it uh because he has the ability to and it's just something that he had never felt before and it's something that he's picked up from wrestling younger And another thing is if you're wrestling younger Bastida, who is the strongest person on the team and one of the strongest people in the country, what happens when he wrestles 65 pounder? It's like a baseball player using a donut during the practice swings. You take the donut off and bat feels like a feather (laughs) when he wrestles. No offense to Austin Yant, Austin Yant. How does that feel compared to younger Bastida? I can't, there's no way it feels the same and it's just got to feel like, a feather kind of it's got to feel like a baseball bat after you take the donut off it's like all right i can go against this guy got no problem there so yeah that was that was the biggest thing i took away from me to availability this week it was the fact that david and younger apparently wrestle quite a bit
1: (laughs) which let us in let us that'd be great
0: that'd be fun
1: can we please come to practice we won't even tell anyone
0: No, Maybe. we won't report on anything. Well, what we can talk about this later, but a summer workout between the two that would be <laughs> fun to see. It's not as important, right? It's not March anymore. Right. It's July.
1: It's not no. official. It's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would be, that would be very fun. Um, and you know, we're going to talk a lot about David Carr this weekend and that that's the fun part, right? We haven't talked about David all season, but March he's the king of March not that anyone else isn't, but David's a big focus and I'm excited about it. Um, unfortunately at one (laughs) seventy-four, Julian Broderson could not have gotten a worse draw. He is, he has a first round match, but it's against against Missouri. Yep. Against Missouri, you know, Peyton Mako number one. Um, unfortunately I think Julian Broderson is losing that right off the bat. Um, no offense to Broderson. He's worked hard. Um, coach even, you know, talked about he stepped up over the summer, did a lot of trainings, went out to Colorado to the Olympic Training Center. But it's just it's tough when you're going against this guy. So I think Julian Broderson's gonna have a tough weekend.
0: He's gonna have a really tough weekend. Um, he lost to Peyton Mako uh during the dual meet seven to five. So it was a kind of close match. You get an extra takedown, uh, finish a period on top. You can change that, change the result of that match. But in all likelihood, he's going to lose. The only thing I ask is if he does lose, don't give up bonus points, please. Don't get pinned. (laughs) Right. Um, And let's say theoretically Julian Broderson does lose. This is where his draw gets really bad. Like it's bad enough going against the one seed in the first match. It gets even worse when you look at the uh, who he might face after that. He's either going to face the 2 seed Dustin Plot from Oklahoma State, who he, I think, lost by a major decision to, or Lance Runyon from Northern Iowa, who he's never beaten. Like, there's a reason MJ Gaetan wrestled against Northern Iowa, and it's because Julian had never beat Lance Runyon. So, it's a really tough situation for Julian. Either way, he's going to have to beat a guy he's never beaten to win a match in this tournament and how many allocations does the big 12 have at 74? They have,
1: I think six, six.
0: Yeah. They have six at 74. So, uh, he's unseated. He'd have to weigh out, wrestle his seed. He's going to have to win two, three matches. He's not supposed to win to earn an allocation. So, or earn a NSA qualifying bid. So it's really tough for Julian. It, I, I feel Oh bad. man, this is, this is the one really bad draw Iowa state got
1: but you know, good transition, bad one for Marcus, but Marcus probably isn't listening to this. So it's, it's fine. Speaking of winless matches, one eighty four. I the expectation for Marcus Coleman is to be in the championship match. And that expectation is the same thing for Parker cut Kaizen. Who's the number one seed. So we're looking at a rematch here, which again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. You know, it's, it's the faith. It's my favorite, not my favorite thing, but it's the best it's the one thing, uh, all the wrestlers say every time, right. One match at a time. I'm only focused on my next opponent. I'm not getting ahead of myself. It's like the m- remind you of the things Matt Campbell always says, you know, <laughs> what? Are, what are they called?
0: Um, well, it's yeah. coach speak but the process if we're talking about Matt Campbell. Yeah, um,
1: just like they're there one consistent things they say every single time. That's the, yeah, the that's motto. the thing with yeah, that's the thing with wrestlers. I'm just focused on my first opponent. Um which for Marcus it's either going to be it's probably going to be Cade King, I imagine from South Dakota State, or Noah Blake from Air Force who is unseated. But I mean, when I look at this bracket, again, the expectation is for Coleman to be in that championship match. He has to wrestle Travis Whitlake from Oklahoma state to get there in the semifinals, which they did not wrestle um, in the duel this season. So it's, it's kind of hard if you want to talk head to head how to gauge that since we haven't seen them this season, since Marcus has just continued to, you know, improve. But yeah, I Marcus mean, beat
0: him last year pretty handily.
1: That's what I was gonna say. When you look at, you know, Coleman's resume, I'm not really worried about him, which is why my brain is automatically focused on a rematch with Parker Ket Kaisen in the championship, which God, I would the The soft part of me who, you know, has a soft spot for Marcus as he's in his last year. I want him to get that win over at Kaizen so bad. <laughs> he's never gotten it. And what a time to get it, you know? I feel like if you get it in the Big 12 Championship title match, it almost makes losing to him the rest of the time <laughs> worth <laughs> it if it got him here, you know?
0: <laughs> it does. It would. And Cody Goodwin from The Register actually brought this up yesterday when we were podcasting with him. If Marcus Coleman wins, if he beats Parker Kakaizen, he has a very real argument to be the number 1 seed at the NCAA Championships. He beat Aaron Brooks from Penn State, he beat Parker Kakaizen. Those would be the other two guys. Like Aaron Brooks was probably going to be the number 1 seed. The only way he's not is if Marcus Coleman wins the Big 12 Championships. And even then, you know, Brooks probably still gets it. But there is an argument to be made that Coleman should be the number 1 overall seed at the NCAA Championships if he beats Parker Kekheisen. So that's one that I'm really looking for because how cool would it be for Marcus Coleman, a guy who even said it this week, he's a perennial number 20 guy for the first three years of his career. And then last year he started figuring things out, made himself an all American. And then this year as a senior, his last year, fifth year, how cool would it be to be the number one overall seed at the NSA championships?
1: He, you know, and dresser called him this himself. And I, I believe it. And I'm sure you do as people who have covered him since dresser took over the program, but he is by far the most improved athlete under dresser. And I remember we used to talk about this with Sam Colbray because of just the same, same situation. You kind of watch Sam be, you know, kind of bottom of bottom of the pack. And then suddenly he's the number one seed. But I think Marcus even blows him out of the water yep. honestly. And
0: Marcus turned himself into what I thought Sam Colbray could be.
1: Yep. I I agree. I would agree with that. And yeah, Marcus's time in the tournament, that's the one I kind of have circled on my you know, if I have a hypothetical list, I don't have a physical list, but if I had it, Marcus is the one that I'm circled one, because again, how do you not most improved in the dresser, but I just also have a soft spot and, and I would just be, and I'm excited to be down there because, If this happens for Marcus, I'm going straight to St. John. I'm making St. John talk for (laughs) a second time this season. Cause St. John, you know, he's kind of, you know, background character. He doesn't talk too much. He, and that's where he likes to be. He's comfortable just chilling, not having to do too much media, but he's been the guy who does the one-on-one trainings. When it comes to this time of the year, when these guys get split up between them, St. John's been the one that Coleman's worked with the whole time. So I mean, a lot of Marcus's transformation has probably come a lot from his training with St. John as well. So.
0: For sure. Yeah. You got to give a ton of credit to St. John. And we, you were talking about Marcus being the most improved wrestler in the dresser era under dresser for Iowa state. I would take that one step further in the NSA landscape over the last five years. Show me a more improved wrestler in the whole country than Marcus Coleman from when he was a freshman to now. I was I was thinking about that after Dresser said it um, on Wednesday. It's like he's the most improved wrestler, and I thought he was going to say the country, but he said for us while I've been here. It's like oh, I think you could take that step farther. Like,
1: well, I think I've been has. thinking
0: about it. Show me, show me another wrestler that's made the strides that Marcus Coleman has. Yeah love his story. He's Ames kid, you know, and he's, he's definitely figured it out last year. He, and he said this, he's dealt with the, um, the death of his grandfather. It happened during the big 12, uh, championships and he finished third. He was able to wrestle back after a tough loss, finished third and man, I'd love for him to be able to come out on top as a senior.
1: See, and these are the stories that make me love what we do. And it's why I think I enjoy working for an unconventional site, I guess, where I'm not like writing for a paper, I guess, because that those are the stories I really enjoy telling. I obviously love that the strategy. I love talking about cars, just physical dominance. I love we're going to get into younger but I'm excited for this and I want this for Marcus and you can call me bias and a Homer without one. I don't even care (laughs) because Marcus (laughs) Coleman's story would be so cool. Not even just from an Iowa state standpoint, from an NCAA standpoint. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But like I said, younger Basita. This is, we are huge fans of his on this podcast. He does have a first round match and he is hey. very, very heavily favored. Of course, um, he's going up against Wyoming in that first match. I'm not worried about it. Are you worried about it? I don't, I don't think anyone is.
0: <laughs> no, not worried about it. I was just looking up, uh, who he wrestled. Okay. So he wrestled a different guy during the dual meet. And, That's what I thought. uh one very handily. <laughs> so this is a guy that he hasn't seen, a fellow named Tice. Raiden, Radon. I don't know. And <laughs> I would expect younger to at bare minimum win by major decision, but I'd like to see tech fall. I think a tech falls on the table here, something 20 to five, 22 to seven, something like that. This is one where I want to see younger Basita open up and just go total beast mode on the guy like activate younger Bastida mode and just run right through them. And then second round, he's going to get um, Evan Bachman from Utah Valley, who he was, I think a takedown away from a major decision during the season. And he was in on two or three shots and he wasn't quite able to finish against him. That's one again, team race, younger Bastida. I'm going to need to get a major decision here because that could go a long way into it because his semifinal match, would likely be against his best friend Rocky Elam.
1: <laughs> Those and Elam
0: brothers—they're—they're they're something else, aren't they? But Younger's lost to him now twice in a row—the dual meet and then at the NCAA championships last year. But before that, Younger had won twice in a row. So these two are split two-two each. They've Each won twice. And if I—I'll be honest, I'll be shocked when Younger gets choice, if he chooses bottom against Rocky Elam, I'm guessing I'd bet quite a bit of money that he chooses a neutral. So choose neutral against Rocky and see if he can't take him down two or three times when that match six to four, um, five to three, somewhere in that range, because that would go really long way in the team race. If you're getting tech fall major decision and beating the Missouri's Rocky Elam, uh, do, do that. You're likely getting Tanner Sloan from South Dakota state who I was a little bit surprised was the number one seed. I figured it'd be Rocky Elam, but Rocky Elam lost to Oklahoma States. Um, Luke Serber. So I get it, I suppose, but I still think Rocky probably should have been number one. And if you want to say Tanner should have been number two, fine, I suppose. But, um, I do like the matchup for younger against, um, Tanner Sloan. Sloan's another one of those guys who's pretty good on top. He's not quite Rocky Elam good on top, but it's one where younger would have to make the choice between bottom and neutral. I'd guess he probably chooses a neutral and just, you know, try to take him down like he does. So, um, yeah, younger, younger could dictate if this is a close team race against all odds, if it is a close team race, younger could dictate how it goes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, we saw a younger, you know, have, have a few little hiccups here with some losses. And I think it, it was one of those situations. And I, I think I have this takeaway based on coach's response to it, just because dresser is a man who is very intentional in the way he answers things. You Mm -hmm. know, if, if he seems relaxed, then I'm like, all right, he's saying something I'm not seeing. And I'm going to trust that just because, you know, I'm not at practice. I'm not having conversations with these guys. And when younger lost coach's demeanor was not one of like worry. It was more so one that made me feel like, you know what, maybe younger needed that obviously you don't want losses to the guy's record, but it's almost like he needed the loss to remind him like, Hey, you're very explosive. You're very good, but you still need to remember to keep things tight. Again, coming back to the, once you start getting into the semifinals, you cannot be out of place. You cannot, you know, make those mistakes that you see during the regular season. And I feel like maybe that's what younger needed to come back and be exactly the explosive guy we know, but to keep it to where he is not getting caught up. And I'm excited. And Iowa State did a cool thing, Ben. I don't know if you sat and watched it. They interviewed Coleman and Younger.
0: Yes, I did. Yep.
1: So if you haven't, I totally recommend you go see that. It was fun to learn how Coach described that they were rivals with each other at first, kind of little, little fire and up uh, Coleman's. Yeah. I guess swearing on this podcast, what are the rules? Fairway, fear, <laughs> fear listening. Um, just kind of lit a fire in Coleman, you know, to be like, Oh crap, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the guy I have to work a little harder and prove myself. And so that was a fun little thing. I was state did that. I appreciated, especially cause younger's gotten so much better at being comfortable in front of the camera. And I really, so enjoy, much better. I mean, I really enjoy getting to hear from him because we just, we had it. So, Yeah, yeah, those Elam brothers, are they graduating yet?
0: (laughs) Uh no, I think one of them for sure is gonna be back because they're not twins. So well one more year of one of them.
1: Well, Sam Skyler, final run. He will not make the championship match without getting through Zach Elam. And that's, you know, again, that's assuming Sam Skyler gets through his match. Um, his matches gets to the semifinals where he'll most likely face Zach Elam is my assumption. Um, and I like S- Sam against him.
0: He similar to David Carr, darn near dominated him. Like David darn near dominated Keegan O'Toole. Sam Skyler darn near dominated Zach Elam when they wrestled. He got all the takedowns. He wrote him decently well. And it was a really, really impressive showing by Sam Skyler in that matchup. And I do hope they do meet again because this is one where Zach Elam, one of the few Missouri wrestlers gets a buy. So he's not going to be scoring extra points. Um, <laughs> like the rest of his teammates probably will be. So yeah, he's got, and he's got Josh Heinzelman in the second round who is no scrub. So this is one where I would like to see Sam Schuyler and Zach Elam meet, but if Zach Elam slips up, I'm not going to be too upset about that. And Let's say Sam Skyler holds serve and does beat Zach Elam um a second time this year. He would get the one seed Riot Hendrickson from Air Force, who I believe leads the nation in pins. Not just in heavyweight, but throughout all weights. I'm pretty sure Wyatt Hendrickson leads the nation in pins. Now, Air Force doesn't wrestle the toughest schedule on planet Earth, so he's not <laughs> wrestling he's not wrestling Iowa, Penn state, Michigan. They didn't, they didn't, wrestle Iowa state. I don't believe they wrestled Oklahoma state. I could be wrong about that, but he's, he's not wrestling these top schools all the time. So he's getting a lot of pins, but how does Sam Skyler match up against him? Because Hendrickson, again, like he was, I think he was a top C He wasn't the number one C, but he was a top, I think five to <laughs> the NCAA championships last year and he so, didn't have a great championships. So, so, so according this to their is women- one word, where- go ahead, Ben. This is one where I'd like to see Skyler potentially win it.
1: So Wyatt Hendrickson, if you go to their website for the 2021-2022 season, I don't remember this, but that's, that's when I start to get tunnel vision. And I was also honestly like kind of shook with the whole David Carr losing. But Wyatt Hendrickson was announced as the most dominant wrestler in NCAA D1 at the NCAA wrestling championships. Hmm. And he finished, he finished that season 26 and two. So, and he had the most falls last season, which was 18.
0: Yeah. He's a pinner for sure.
1: Which for a heavyweight, that's huge. Like if you're just a casual, you know, fan again, heavyweights do not tend to pin a lot. It tends to be pretty low scoring two to three, four to three. Um, I mean, sometimes two to one,
0: <laughs> Yeah, sometimes one to zero.
1: So, and I mean, in college, I definitely lean for the upper weights, which I found funny when Cody said he tends to look at the, um, lower weights. I am way more towards the upper weights. Cause I just find them so, You know, when you look at high school and you look at college, there's a huge differentiation in the talent. And I mean, Sam Schuyler also coach referred to him as the most improved this season. And yes. we've seen that Sam has put on quite the campaign this season. He is just so dominant. He's entertaining to watch. I really enjoy that. He is someone who can post points. I I love seeing that. He's not, you know, he doesn't always settle for those low scoring matches and he's shown up big for Iowa state in those big moments. And yeah, I mean, is Wyatt Hendrickson Hendrickson, obviously an extremely dominant and deserving of that number one seed. I'm, Probably clearly the the internet says so. Well, I haven't watched him this season, um, but I just I feel so confident in the way that Sam competes this season, and especially again we talk so much about mental toughness. I think someone who embodies wrestling free is Kevin Gadsden. Talked to me about when I interviewed him a few years ago when we talked about you know wrestling in his final NCAA championship and what it felt like trying to compete, you know, to be on the Olympic team. He talked a lot about wrestling free and how that's the way he would describe his last season of wrestling at Iowa state. And I feel like that's what Sam Skyler is. He's having a good time when we interview him, he talks about just, you know, he's throwing it out there. He's having fun because I feel like he just has that personality and that confidence where he's gotten so much more comfortable and you know, his ability on the mat that at this point I, I would, I'm happy to see him. I would want to see him against Cassiopeia again, honestly. I think if you put him up against Cassiopeia again, it might not go the way it did back in December.
0: That would be a very interesting matchup. I would love to see that. Right. Cause um, like,
1: look at all the work that he's done since then. I think it might be a little different. And again, Cassiopeia's an extremely good wrestler. No doubt about that. Dominant heavyweight, but
0: yeah. So I just looked up White or yeah, White Hendrickson to see how he did finish. So he was, um, 26 and two, but both his losses came at the NCAA championships. Um, one was to Christian Lance from Nebraska who was the 12 seed White Hendrickson went in as the five seed. And then he lost, um, to Tate Orendor from Ohio state um, nine to five and he did not all American last year. So he lost to two guys. He was did well above and wasn't able to finish out. So yes, he pins. Yes. He's dominant against lower competition, but he hasn't wrestled a guy like Sam Skyler since last year's NCAA championships. And he didn't fare that as well as you'd expect him to during last year's championships. So if Sam Skyler is able to make the championships, uh, I think that could be a really fun match.
1: I'm excited for Sam. Sam's just fun. He's just a fun guy. Not quite like golden retriever energy, like Jason Kreiser, I would say, (laughs) but something similar. I just don't know what to call A yellow lab.
0: He's a yellow lab.
1: Yeah. He's just, he's just having a good time. And, and like, it's fun to see him have a good time and have such an easygoing personality with it, but still having the results to back it up. Right. Like he's not just like coasting. He's putting in the work. And Mm -hmm. if coach said he's the most improved this season it it means something.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I agree 100% with that. Sam Schuyler's improvement this year has been on par with the jump that Marcus made from, um, junior to first senior year. Um, this is a second senior year. So from his junior to first senior year, that improvement is similar to what we're seeing from Sam Schuyler this year.
1: Yeah. I just, Sam's one of those guys where I also, you know, I'm, I want to see him get the payout. He's put in the work. It's his last season. He's made huge strides since coming to Iowa state. And I think it'd be fun. It'd be fun to say, you know, Sam Schuyler left, uh, New York to come to, you know, Iowa <laughs> and he worked his butt off. And, Yeah, that would just be cool. It'd be fun. It'd be a fun (laughs) storyline.
0: It'd be a lot of fun. The other thing I was looking up was the Elam brothers. Yes. Uh, Rocky Elam is a sophomore. Oh, and Zach Elam is a junior.
1: My gosh.
0: They'll be around for a few more years. Younger and Rocky will have, I'm sure, a few more uh, bouts between them.
1: Honestly, I would love to hear from him and I guess I could make this happen. I would love to hear from him. Just what is it like wrestling younger? You know? Yeah. What is that experience? Like, how do you get yourself mentally prepared to go into that match? So maybe I should, maybe I'll just go yeah. grab him once. <laughs> yeah.
0: Pull him aside and talk to the Missouri SID be like, Hey, I need to talk to him real quick. And yep. I'm sure they'd be thrilled that they're going to get some coverage because uh, I'm not sure, Ms. Uh, Columbus, the Columbus Dispatch. I don't think that's, that's what it's called, but whatever the Columbus newspaper is <laughs> called. Yeah. I'm not sure that they're gonna be sending anyone or too many people for sure. So might be the uh-huh. only person he talks to.
1: <laughs> you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. Elon Brothers. It's it's common. Um, another fun fact that I forgot to bring up Marcus Coleman is one of four wrestlers in the conference, set to wrestle his fifth Big 12 championship. I'm curious and I'm not going to do the math cause I don't want to. And if you have it off the top <laughs> of your head, you can. I'm what year will it be when we're done with the COVID years?
0: <laughs> oh boy. So that was a COVID year.
1: 2020
0: was 2020, 2021. Correct. Mm-hmm. Because the 2020 national championships got canceled. So everyone from 2021 onward. So That'd be the 25-26 season. No, 24-25 season, right? I think is the last one we'll see a covid a covid person.
1: I would senior. assume.
0: It's 24-25 or 25-26, it's one of those two.
1: Oh my god. we got
0: a few more years of a lot of fifth-year seniors. And, <laughs> and when I say fifth-year seniors, I really mean sixth-year seniors because a lot of those guys probably redshirted. So. Right. Man. It's like coach dresser said this week, there's a big difference between a 23, 24, 25 year old and a 19 year old, like Swiderski and Panero Johnson. So yeah, exper- teams with experience are going to do really well in the coming years. And that's not just wrestling. That's every year or not, yeah. not every sport. I mean,
1: I think that's what kind of has made this season, you know, different and more fun to cover. Not only cause Iowa state's just doing well in areas maybe they weren't you know i don't think we've been able to say they have this many consistent guys and then yeah i mean you bring in panero and casey who are so young and so new but just so dominant and confident and you know arrogant and i say that not in a bad way um at all because you want your wrestlers to be arrogant i would have loved you know who i would have loved to see be arrogant Ian Parker. Yes. I would love for him to just be arrogant for like two minutes. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's, he's one of those guys, hardest worker on the team. Everyone will say it, but he's probably too nice.
1: <laughs> so nice. So nice. He's Can't one wait of to... the nicest
0: humans on the planet Need to be a little bit meaner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can't wait to see him at NCAAs.
0: Yeah. He's a, a assistant coach for army. So that will be good to see. it will be good for you to see him again. I won't be down there, but
1: yeah, yeah again, curse John Smith for making me go to Tulsa twice, which <laughs> it's, it's fine. I hear we're going to Kansas city next year.
0: That will, I will try to make that one. That's one fair. If fairway wants to pay for me, I'll let them, but they won't even <laughs> have to pay for me. I'll just go down there myself. That'll be an awesome trip. So
1: we'll get you a credential.
0: There you go. I'll take the credential.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they'll give it to us. They uh, probably will, yeah. Final final thoughts then.
0: <laughs> final thoughts. Um, really excited for championship season. Unfortunate that Iowa State was kind of taken out of the team race before it started. Again, there is a path for it to happen, but Missouri has to stumble and Iowa State has to do things that we're not expecting them to do necessarily. So, uh, excitement, but. I think you have to keep it in perspective of what your expectations are. You can't, I think it's be tough to expect Iowa State to win. I think expectations should be three, two, two to three Big 12 champions, three to four finalists, and a bunch of guys in placement matches getting third, fifth, sixth, things like that. Um, and also, I, I expect Iowa State to at minimum get seven through to the NCAA championships. And eight is definitely on the table, especially if Chrysler and Caban band wrestle, how they, I believe they can.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I I do that. That's my takeaways. That's that's what I'm walking into this weekend with. Um, if anything, obviously those lower weights we're talking about, you know, there's definitely a path for really almost all of them, except unfortunately <laughs> Broderson. but yeah, I'm mostly feeling pretty good about Marcus Coleman, David Carr, and honestly, in a way, I'm leaning Sam Skyler.
0: Yeah, I feel really good about Sam Skyler. I do. I think I think he should probably be in the, should be in the championship. Tough to say, but I think he should probably be in the championship, and I like that matchup against Hendrickson mm-hmm. if he is able to get out from underneath and Hendrickson's really, really good on top. Like that's how he gets his pins. He is a hammer on top. So if he's able to stay out of those situations, I like if Sam Skyler's is on his feet, I like Sam Skyler.
1: I think the the fun part about this specific year is that I think we're going to see Iowa state have more individual success than we've seen them in the past because I feel like pretty quickly we're we you know you know where this is going you know all focus falls to david and then we kind of watch what kind of happens with the you know with marcus or i'm trying to think of last year you know last year last year was kind of kind of a bummer pretty... was, it
0: was david carr lost early unfortunately but they him marcus and younger were all able to all american and no one else i don't think anyone else won a match besides those three like sam the, this is what we're talking about with sam scott and his improvement. Sam Schuyler didn't win a match at NCAA championships last year. This year, he's expected to all American. So, um, For sure. adding another all American, like Sam Schuyler, our potential all American, adding a guy like Panero Johnson, who can beat almost anyone in the country and potentially anyone in the country, um, adding Zach Redding, who can maybe win a match or two at NCAA championships. That brings you from where Iowa state finished last year, which was what in the teens or mm-hmm. maybe 10 ish, somewhere in that range to, Hey, you're adding another all American. That's a ton of points. You're adding, you know, two to three other team points. That brings you into that. Oh boy. Can they win a team trophy? That's going to take David Carr winning a national championship. That's going to take younger Bastida being in the conversation. That's going to take Marcus Coleman being in the conversation like those two can't finish seventh and eighth Marcus and younger going to have to finish first, second, third, fourth, for Iowa state to be in the team race. So, um and then sam skyler he's one of those guys where you'd like to all american you know finish seventh eighth for him is a good finish but he has the potential to finish in that five six range so uh we'll talk about all that in a week or two but yeah this is this is much more i think i think this is much more of a tournament team than last year's team so yeah. we'll see if i can be proven right <laughs> Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. Expect the unexpected. I want some, you know, I always want chaos. I love chaos and I'm, I don't know where I want it, but I want it with Missouri losing in right away.
0: <laughs> That'd be great. Wouldn't it?
1: So we'll, we'll see. Um Ben will be watching from home. I'm sure he'll yep. be tweeting about it. <laughs> so yes, follow him on Twitter. I leave for Tulsa tomorrow, or I guess if you're listening on Friday today, Um, I'm probably already on the road by the time people are (laughs) listening to this podcast, but so yeah, follow along as always on Ben and I's personal Twitters and I will be doing my best to keep those updates on the cycling fanatic. Um, probably a little more high, high level as we get into, you know, the chaos at the start when you have so many guys going at once, but, We'll yeah, it's going to be
0: updates. real tough to live tweet the beginning, but once you start <laughs> getting to the second and third session, then some things slow down a little bit. So real
1: realistically, I will not um, tweet the ex- everything that's happening in a match until the championships. Cause yes. that's just, you know, that's, that's when we have one at a time, <laughs> but like I said, follow along on Twitter. Uh, ben and I both will be tweeting throughout the weekend. I'll keep cycling fanatic as updated as possible. I'll be taking pictures. We'll have video. I'll corner some of those guys in the hallway to get that get those interviews in because gotta make sure we we know what the heck's going on from them if we're down there, right? So i'll I'll do what I did last year with Jared Dagan. I chased him down the hall. I think <laughs> he was literally still bleeding out of his nose, trying to clean the blood as I was like, I need you to sit in front of this camera.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: shout out to Jared Dagan. Miss that guy. but yeah, guys, as always, follow along and. yeah, here's to, here's to March.